Hello, welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the Omnitalk Spotlight series. I'm your host, Anne Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are the founders of Omnitalk, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we like to say it, the retail media organization that focuses on tomorrow today. Yes, we do. Uh, joining us today is another Omnitalk favorite, Chris. Yes, he is. He's one of our favorites. He's here, been on the show a bunch. Uh, yes, here to share his company's latest findings on Instacart, which is the topic du jour right now. We have the VP of Marketing at 1010 Data, Mr. Frank Riva. Frank, welcome to the show. Welcome back to Omnitalk. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. It's very flattering. Chris, I should have you talk to my wife and daughters a little bit and maybe uh, bump me up a little bit more to them. <laughs> hey, happy to. Happy, happy to do what I can, Frank. Happy to do what I can. All right, well, let's get to it, Frank. So, you know, oil, loyal Omnitalk fans will remember, uh, you know, earlier this year, I think it was back in like March or April, yep. we interviewed uh, your colleague, Frank, uh, Jonah Elin, about 1010 Data's 2021 year in review around Instacart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as Ann alluded to, this year, you guys have complemented that end of the year look with some new data on Instacart through the first six months of this year of 2022. Talk to us, if you can, about what you did earlier this year with that report that we talked about with Jonah, and then how you're complementing it this year and how this data set came together. Yeah, no, happy to. So, you know, we do a lot of different things with our e-commerce panel. And there, there's lots of different avenues and, and the way we deliver our services to our clients and whatnot. But there's always interesting nuggets. And clearly, one of the leading things that people have been interested in for the last couple of years, particularly because of the impact of the pandemic, uh, is Instacart and, and their emergence, their growth, their performance. And what we found is, is um, people really can't get enough of that information around Instacart. So <laughs> Count me in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we're obviously keeping a close eye on a lot of things related to that. So when Jonah joined you, he talked about the, the 2021 year performance. So what we wanted to do was say, okay, let's take a look at the first six months of 2022. Uh, has much changed? What's going on? Um, clearly with what's happening in retail in particular, I think the timeline has been expedited more than ever. Mm -hmm. So six months where in the past, maybe that wasn't a, a long period of time for change. Six, right. six months now is almost like dog years, right? <laughs> it's at True. the point where things are happening so much more rapidly. So we said, let's look at the first six months. And then what we did is we said, okay, let's look at a full 12 month over 12 month comparison. Oh, yeah. So we took the July of 20 through June of 21 period and compared that to that July 21 to June 22 period and said, okay. let's take a full 12 months and let's take a look at what's going on. And then what we found is, is that there's a lot of different ways you can go once you start to open up the different doors to this. And, you know, it, it really is kind of the forest gum box of chocolate, right? You never know what's going to, uh, right. you know, what you're going to get and what the data is going to show you. So what we saw off the top is for that 12 month over 12 month period, we saw Instacart grew at approximately 4% based upon our panel. Okay. So still growing, um, you know, not, not huge, but, but still a growth. And we said, okay, you know, 4% for Instacart. And then we said, 
what does this look like? What does this look like relative to other retailers in the space from an e-commerce perspective? Mm-hmm. And, and one of our analysts brought up a really good um, point of entry to, to look at something and was saying, let's look at several of the retailers that represent pretty large share of Instacart's business and particularly those that over the last six to 12 months have become more aggressive in trying to bring more of that fulfillment in-house. Right. So those are things clearly that could have an impact upon Instacart. And, and who and are some of those retailers, Frank? Like yeah. what, what, what retailers uh, constitute that idea? So, so where we ended up focusing uh, were three. It was Costco, Sam's Club, and HEB. Okay. And, and, and again, that relates back to some of the, the measures they were taking to become more aggressive, to offer more of the fulfillment themselves. Now, this is predominantly delivery, does include some click and collect as well, but most of, most of that volume is based upon delivery. Okay. So okay. those are the three that we looked at. So the first step was, okay, if Instacart saw a 4% increase over those, those year over year, those you know, July to June timeframes, what did we see for those three retailers? So we saw um, HEB had a 9% increase over that same time frame as Instacart where they had 4%. Hmm. We saw a 6% for Sam's Club, but, but the one that really jumped off the page was Costco. Costco saw uh, in excess of 80% growth wow. for their own uh, e-commerce business. And, and that was one that really jumped out to us. And you know, as we kind of dug into the numbers more, you know, we, we saw that domino effect of the impact of, of those efforts, particularly with Costco. Wow, Frank. So, okay. So let me just, let me just rewind everything you just said there. So 4, 4% growth overall for Instacart is what you're saying. That, I mean, on the surface, that doesn't seem particularly high given the rate of inflation to me. You're saying that then you focused it, then you decided to say, okay, let's focus in on the, the retailer specifically HEB, Sam's Club and Costco that have made more of an effort to go direct. And they're seeing growth rates, particularly Costco, far exceed those levels um, as well. So that's interesting to me too. I'm curious, are you seeing anything in the interplay of the dynamics of the share of the business of Instacart at those retailers too that would inform anything differently or provide further color to this conversation? We, we did. Um, and, and I think the numbers bear that out. But I think one thing I would say about Instacart and their 4%, certainly on the one hand, you know, and, and, and look, I think you know, we still have to give a lot of credit to what Instacart has done. Um, they've yeah, really kind 100%. of been a leader and it's easy to throw rocks at the big guy, right? But I, I still think that 4% could be looked at through a couple different lenses. Mm. Certainly on the one hand with inflation, yeah. you can obviously say, well, you know, they're, they're going to see an increase because of those prices. But I think on the flip side, you know, they also have pressure because Instagram, or Instacart excuse, yeah, right. could be looked at as, as somewhat of a luxury. And then I think when we look at more difficult inflationary times, you know, luxury items or luxury services, which some people I think will look at Instagram, could be impacted by this. So I think we have to kind of balance that view of, of prices going up with, with the fact that there's a lot of pressures on, on people, you know, considering whether they should still use this, given what their economic situation may be. So I yeah. think that 4%, you know, a balanced view is helpful there. But back to your question, Chris, about, okay, how did these changes in their, in their sales performance for, for e-commerce, how did that impact 
the share that they have with Instacart. So with HEB and Sam's Club, their their share of Instacart's business was pretty nominal. Really no change. It was flat. So their percentage of Instacart business was flat over that same 12-month over 12-month period, that that July, June, July, June uh, period we looked at. Now, what clearly did change, not surprisingly, if you're seeing Costco elevate their e-commerce sales over 80%, we saw about an 8.6% decrease in, in their share of the Instacart business, which is to be expected. Um, so what we're seeing from this, if we look at HEB and Sam's Club first with those flat numbers, the, what you know, our summation would be probably that the people that have been using Instagram for Sam's Club and HEB, for the most part, are probably still continuing to use them. But what it looks like is the new business, the increases they're seeing for e-commerce, probably more likely are coming outside of Instacart and are, are more direct with Sam's and, and HEB respectively. When we look at when we look at Costco, clearly we're seeing more of a shift. You know, if, if their percentage is down, their their business is up that high. Clearly, we're seeing the most tangible impact with Costco, and those numbers bear that out. Well, Frank, that's one thing that I thought was good about our conversation with Jonah before was, you know, how he was explaining kind of the baskets that people are buying across the different options, because that's got to have an impact too. Um, like, you know, same, same across Instacart as opposed to Costco director, HEB director, different, like how, how are you, what are you seeing there that's impacting these numbers also? Great question. So that, I would say that's probably the, the area where we saw the most interesting numbers. So okay. if we start with Instacart, based on our panel, their average basket value was $33. Okay. Okay. That, you know, a little on the low side, I think. That seems low to me. People yeah. might yeah. expect. So, mm-hmm. you know, right off the, the top, That's you like see certain items. Items. Okay. Yeah. You know, probably focused on lower price goods, mm-hmm. you know, um, fill-in orders, things fill-in of orders, that nature, yeah. but probably more focused on staples and things like that in the kitchen. If we look at the average basket size for the other three, the, the, the next lowest was HEB. And they were at um, approximately $65 average basket size. So wow. essentially double instant. Roughly double, yeah. Now, what's interesting is, is they're, they're, they're kind of the next lowest, but it would make sense if you think about it because the bulk of what they focus on is, is grocery items as well. So those are going to be you know, the items, the, the price points that are going to drive that, but still double the amount of, of what Instacart size was. Yeah, then the apples to apples in terms mm-hmm. of categories that are offered between the two, right? The two options. Well, that's just it. And, yeah. and I think when we, we, we look at those basket sizes for Costco and Sam's, and we'll kind of come back to that because I think that's where you really start to see some of the drivers here. Mm-hmm. So then we looked at Sam's and they had a $75 average basket size. Okay for their uh, online orders. And Costco was at $96. So, you know, I, but I think we need to be fair here mm-hmm. because most people are not thinking to pick, pick up uh, a vacuum cleaner or an Xbox when they're on Instagram with Costco or, or something like that, right? They're, they're right. focused on those kitchen staples. So I, I think we have to be fair, but what it shows on the flip side of the coin is that the opportunity particularly for Sam's and, and Costco, is that someone could say, okay, yeah, 
maybe I'm here for some some kitchen staples, but I could be incentivized or or enticed with some impulse buys to add something maybe I wasn't thinking about to that order. Where we right. we don't really see that, and the numbers don't portray that. When you look at, for example, you know, going back to Instacart's thirty-three dollar average basket size in Japan. Which is, a, which is an important point strategically too, because you know you, you started this discussion looking at the share and then looking at the growth rates of these retailers overall and their move to direct, right? And so for the retailer, if they can get, if they can go direct and also capture the consumer's larger mindset around the universe of products they carry, mm-hmm. it makes sense because then they're scaling that delivery across more items in the basket, right? And I, I'm thinking about that the right way, right, Frank? Like, is, would you interpret this? Would you say the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you go one step further, as mentioned earlier, and you look at some of the category breakdowns, I mean, HEB and and Instacart, their primary categories were within grocery. And you see things like still water, salty snacks, Mm -hmm. chocolate, things of that nature. When you look at the the mix of the basket, particularly for Costco and, and Sam's, that's where you start to see that grocery isn't even at the top of the list there. And again, if you look at the product mix, it's it's not a surprise, but they can leverage those higher price point at items. And to your point, Chris, they could spread out, you know, those those higher cost goods and whatnot, and, and it becomes more cost effective doing those those direct fulfillments themselves. So those orders, those higher price orders, those higher average uh, baskets. Well, and I think it's important too, Frank. Like I think about you know, anecdotally, my own experience shopping some of these retailers now, they've also changed their interfaces significantly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just, you know, they're, uh, they're going direct with the product offerings, but I, I wonder too, if, if you've heard any response from the research that you've done about just like what the customer interaction with those direct channels has been like, and how that's maybe taken some, some things that they might have learned from how people are shopping on Instacart and applied them on their own digital storefronts. Cause I have to say like Costco, for example, I mean, Much they've improved. changed their digital interface so that now, yes, you are going there for the items that Frank's talking about the salty snacks, the, you know, the bottles of water, but then they're I'm being served up a beauty ad and I didn't realize right. that they carried this beauty product now. Right. So I'm adding that to the basket. Are you, are you seeing anything like that, Frank, in, in your research? Well, I, I think some of that, like you said, some of that's just experience. We go to those websites. I think we're, we're in that transition period where we're going to start to see a lot of those updates. Yeah. I mean, if you're a retailer, your, your front end has to be, um, you know, that user experience has to be as good as possible. To your point, the notion of uh, complimentary offers you know, for things, um, understanding what you've bought in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're yeah, not buying that particular product in the past. Hey, did you forget to grab XYZ product? Things of that nature, you know, those are those are pretty much table stack, mm-hmm. right? I, I think a lot of that is, is you know, the retailer saying, what do we keep incorporating someone from an Amazon perspective, right? And how, how do we continue to up our game? You know, this is now a pure e-commerce experience. They know that more and more, you know, a lot of people are going to be nothing but e-commerce customers. And right. if you can't satisfy them digitally from an online perspective, it's not like you can say they're still going to come into the physical location because they're not. And, and I think we're seeing that more and more. And I think, you know, that starts to open up some, some interesting things that we're starting to see from, okay, what does this all mean? And how does this impact what 
Instacart is starting to look at strategically and what are they starting to do to account for the fact that, hey, some of these retailers are big enough, they have the volume, they have the manpower, the bandwidth, the resources to do this themselves. Yeah, that was going to be my, that was going to be my last question for you, Frank, like is, okay, like, because I mean, first of all, whoa, like, again, (laughs) second time this year, just great data, like just data where you just want to go, wow, what does this all mean? Like, there's some really cool stuff in here. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think that was going to be my question for you is like, what, what does this mean for Instacart? Or does it help make sense of any of the strategies we've seen from them? Like, what's your take on that? Well, I think a couple of things. <clears throat> Clearly, as we're seeing, some of the major retailers are, are, are going to continue to move into that space and take on more themselves. And, and, you know, from a business perspective, they should, right? But I think there's probably, you know, as time goes along, especially over the next six, 12 months, we'll probably start to see a settling out of, okay, there's, there's those that really can do this and should be doing this, and they're going to make their moves. And then there's probably going to be those that say, you know what? Uh, we just don't have uh, the, the ability to do this ourselves. And, and I think, you know, that's probably part of what Instacart is looking at strategically as well. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that there's a looming IPO for Instacart. You know, it could be into this year. It could be the first of next year, at least from, from what we know. But, but I think more importantly, in parallel with that, we're starting to see things in the news. And we're starting to see the activity of their strategic efforts, their acquisitions. They've just acquired a couple different AI companies. Uh, one of those companies that could focus more on, on things around price points and promotion and things of that nature. And then they just announced this week the acquisition uh, of an e-commerce company that really is going to help them do a better job with the independence and, and smaller chains. So we're starting to see you know, the entrance into the long tail. And, and obviously acknowledging that that long tail of retailers is going to be critical to them, right? Because the bulk of those long tail retailers are not going to be in a position to do it. And if Instacart could bring something to them that really fits the bill and it fits within the cost parameters they need, why, why do it, right? The level of sophistication that Instacart could put into an e-commerce front end and the ancillary offerings that could go with that, that is going to make sense. But we're also seeing that they're looking at things like the marketplace, right? There was just an announcement how they're doing something with different celebrities. And, and Lizzo was the one that was talked right, about. And, yeah. yeah. And how they're going after Gen Z. And, and I think that's important to say, how do we open this up? You know, is it, you know, is it, is it boomers and Gen X that are, are mainly, you know, buying from these stores? And, you know, what is the opportunity? And they're looking at things like, how do they inquire? incorporate, you know, the Instacart shopping capability within certain social media apps, things of that nature. So clearly they're doing the things they need to be doing because I think the numbers are showing you just can't rely on kind of what got you here. They did a heck of a job to get to where they are, but to continue to bring that value to be able to, I think, morph and continue to really have that defined place in the market. They have to get creative. And what's interesting is, is I think historically, we've talked about some of these things with the numbers and we said, well, let's wait and see what happens. Well, Mm -hmm. we're we're at that what happens period now, right? We're we're seeing it in real time. And the things we talked about they would be looking at are starting to come to fruition. And that's why I think these, you know, if we take another look and six months, this is going to be another really interesting snapshot of where they are. And in that six months, you know, there's a lot that could happen in, in that time frame. 
Yeah. Well, Frank, let's definitely do that. I want to look back and I want to go come have you back in six months yeah, so we can look 100%. back at this. I'm, I have to ask you just, you, you're so well-versed in everything that's been going on for the last couple of years, especially with Instacart. But if you were on the team there, Frank, what would you be going into first with these new acquisitions, knowing what you know about, you know, where customers are going direct to, to the retailers they're going, you know, they're using Instacart in some cases, where would you kind of say that they should put their focus if you had your own part to contribute to this? Well, I, you know, I think a lot of what they're doing is right They're, okay. You know, again, we talked about the long tail. Clearly mm-hmm. there's value to those long tail retailers, you know, those smaller ones, the mid-sized ones, the independent ones where it really doesn't make sense for them to do a lot of this stuff. That's a natural. I, I love the idea of going after the new markets. I really do like the idea of trying to bring you know, new shoppers in with the notion of Gen Z. I think incorporation into social media applications is a fantastic idea. I mean, look, we already do that today for certain things. We just don't think about it from a grocery perspective, right? Right. You know, you could be on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or something like that. And, you know, there's some startup D2C brand that, you know, suddenly you'll buy their $100 sweatshirt because it looks cool and it's different. You, You know, most people don't even think twice about that. But you're not thinking about getting that jar of peanut butter and, you know, gallon of milk and things like that. And I think that's going to be a, a real interesting, you know, uh, kind of uh, shift in paradigm and, and to watch where that goes. Because I think the more you can make that um, easy and seamless is it, going to be big. So I, I like some of these things that we're seeing. I'm certainly not going to try to speak for, uh, you know, Instacart themselves. Right. Yeah, right. But you're going to lean in on Lizzo. You like like the marketplace. You like to be able to buy everything that Lizzo buys. There's other things, like you're starting to see celebrity shopping this, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Rachel Ray says, this is what I buy. And if someone likes Rachel Ray or whoever it may be and giving people ideas for things. And and again, rather than I have to go through and check every item, if someone already says, hey, you know, that's pretty much the list I want, (laughs) you know, click one box and boom, it's in my cart and ready to go. I think the notion of convenience and expediting that experience is key. So, you know, from from where I'm sitting, you know, I I think they're checking a lot of the right boxes in regards to what they're looking at. And it'll be interesting to see what what comes. And, you know, if there's more flurry as we get closer to, you know, assuming that IPO stays in place later in the year, beginning of the year uh, of next year and, and see what happens. Right. Yeah. So net net diversification strategy makes, you know, makes sense fundamentally. And, you know, the other part, part I think it brings up too, is like, you know, clearly we're, we're in act two now for Instacart, mm-hmm. you know, we, we saw act one and, and now we're in act two and the question now becomes, you know, what happens next, which is why I thought your point in the beginning was great, Frank, like six months is dog years in retail. Now at this point, right. you know, it's like, it's like what used to be 10 years in retail is now six months. So we're going to have to have you back in six, because I think this is, this story could continue to unfold with new Absolutely. data in new ways and new enlightening ways, six months from now. So Frank's Frank, I just got to tell you, that was great. It's why we love having you on. You're welcome. Anytime. If, if I, I got to ask you too, if people want to take a look at this report, cause we're going to debut this podcast a little bit early, yeah. but if people want to take a look at this report and get all the data and insights in it, we just scratched the surface of it here today. What's the best way for them to do that? Or how can they do that? Yeah, so uh, general availability for the report will be on September 28th. September 28th. And, okay. and, and that's a complimentary download from, from the 1010 Data website. 
Um, we may have an opportunity for your subscribers, maybe to have a little early access. And, oh, uh, all right. We, will, we, we, we will love keep a red you carpet. Updated. Velvet yeah, all right. Situation. Early access. All right. We like yes. that. So we will keep you updated. And uh, if we can make that work, we would be happy to uh, to allow your subscribers to get to that early. So stay tuned for that. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you so much. That wraps us up. Thank you to Frank Riva of 1010 Data for sitting down with us today. As always, to everyone listening, be careful out there.